Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast. We're starting a new series called Stories from the EUC Road. Today we have Sean Donahue, Senior Solutions Marketing Manager for Nutanix, speaking with Al Solozano from E360 on runaway capacity planning. It's a good one. Let's join the conversation. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast series. I am Sean Donahue, and I'm thrilled to be here. And I want to extend a gracious thank you to Angelo for letting me step up to the microphone with this new podcast series that we're starting here called Stories from the EUC Road. And it promises to be a great one. We're talking about really deep involved, deep in the weeds, forensic analysis about customers, what challenges they were facing, and more importantly, how they solved those pain points and they got to a solution, really improved the employee experience. Just such good stuff. And I am so excited. And I know you're asking yourself, why are you so excited? What's what's, uh, so exciting about this podcast? I'll tell you why. It's because my guest today is the Al Solorzano from Entesis 360. Welcome to the virtual stage, Al. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, E360 now, Sean. E360. We've rebranded. (laughs) <laughs> oh, awesome, because I've got in my notes E360, so I'm so glad that that's the official uh, moniker now. Um, so, Al, tell us, because listeners want to know, who is Al Solorzano? Give us your background, your your dating oh, profile, man. so to speak. So my, yeah, my my uh, whole setup. Yeah, no, I, I have been in this industry now, Sean, for 22-plus uh, years, um, if We're not on video, but uh, I had a lot more hair back then. And um, myself personally, like, I just love this space. I love this concept of kind of being able to kind of um, expand the definition of the workplace for our customers, right? So that, you know, the users, the businesses can basically thrive, right? And I think we all saw that when when COVID hit, um, a lot of organizations scrambled. They did not know how to deal with it. And kind of, I, we looked internally at our own organization. We're like, we were born in this. Like, we were born for this moment, right? So we really uh, were able to step up for our customers. And with great partnerships like Nutanix, we were very excited to go go to go to our customers and have those conversations yeah. and help them out and, and really achieve their business goals and get them through that pandemic. Yeah. If anything, that took it from the drawing board, limited rollouts for EUC and made it into a you know, global POC that this whole remote work style, hybrid work style was actually going to work. Um, and then, so I like, I, I like to look at, at, at us, uh, veterans in the space. I don't know. I get so emotional. I get verklempt when I talk about this EUC space, but I like to think of us as like oak trees. And if you cut us down and counted the rings, uh, you know, where would, how many rings would we have? And to do that, I, I like to ask this question. What was the first operating system that you worked on professionally? Oh, yeah. NT351. Hey, right. I'm an yeah. NT351 guy. That's where I started. Um, my other funny story, Sean, is actually the first time, very first time I saw NT4 terminal server edition. And mm-hmm. someone started talking about things like Citrix on top of it. My first thought was, why? That yeah. seems kind of crazy. 
like I can I can deploy my desktops in a much better fashion going down the more traditional route. Now, mind you, in that time frame, like my vision of a company was like 10 to 15 people, right? <laughs> All sitting in one physical office. And then and then I, I got my first real IT job after I graduated. And I realized that, you know, 19 physical offices, each with 20 devices each, um, and having to travel and figure out how to deal with, again, at the time, Y2K, again, yeah. dating myself, um, I kind of was like, I need to come up with a better way of doing things. And so immediately went back to that concept of like, you know, centralizing the data center, keeping everything, you know, within the four walls of my control, and then just giving the user the view of that system from anything that I, and I, at that point, anything just became a device, right, back right. in the day. And so that's kind of where, like, I evolved. And it's funny, like, we were talking about the pandemic. You know, organizationally, EUC, like you said, was more tactical. A little piece of piece of information here, about for these particular use cases. Right. It became the only way to work for quite some time. And even, even if you want to call it that we're out of the pandemic right now, or coming out of the pandemic, organizations are still struggling to figure out how to bring people back to the office, right? Yeah. Um, you have, hey, we, we hired somebody initially in one state and they moved during the pandemic and how do we get them to come back? Hey, we hired the best talent that we could because we were in a hiring craziness phrase, trying to hire the best people. We hired people in different states. Um, how do we get those people back to the office? That's not gonna work. And even people that were physically near the office you know, the concept of like commuting for an hour to an hour and a half in the morning and then the evening, um, not being able to have lunches or dinners with your family or, or take a quick 15 minute trip to go pick up your kids from school. Like the concept of work has really changed for the organization. Right. I think it's forced businesses to reevaluate how they how they deal with their workforce and this concept of you know the digital workplace, the concept of end-user computing, really aligns to that, and I think again that's where you know organizations like Nutanix were kind of ready to hit the ground running with that concept. Yeah, I like what Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, close personal friend. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Said recently at uh, MS Ignite that we should go back to the office for each other, not out of policy or not for policy. So, but I'm gonna I I'm gonna uh, beat you on the operating system because I started with Windows 3.1 oh, doing tech support. So talk about aging yourself. But enough about that. I want to talk about uh, a customer story that you were telling me about in the green room. Um, and it's in, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the FinServe, the financial services sector, Without naming the customer and keeping their identity to protect the innocent, so to speak, uh, and we'll distort your voice too, so to uh, <laughs> keep you, uh, you know, innocent as well. Um, give me, a, give me kind of the the flyby on on the customer scenario or the customer itself. Got it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a pretty common scenario when we talk to our customers about infrastructure, right? Um, Typically, when we go in and have conversations around VDI, we start talking about, well, what are we going to run this on? Is this going to be in the cloud? Is this on-premises? Is it your data center? Are you co-loing? You know, what does it look like? And a very common scenario always comes up with like, oh, yeah, 
our infrastructure is kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, maybe we standardized on a provider, but we got multiple platforms, different ways of managing them, things are out of date, um, things like that. We also ran into this particular customer who had a pretty, I would probably say a, a pretty advanced model for infrastructure management was still struggling with monitoring simple things, right? Like, how much capacity do you have? Where are you going with this? How are you scaling? Um, great that you can scale your compute infrastructure, but then they were like, oh, but we have no way of, and no tool of monitoring what our storage infrastructure was looking like. And what they were seeing is as they were growing out their uh, VDI solutions, you know, probably six, seven years ago, they were trying to be like, yeah, hey, we got to add one more compute node but the networking, the you know, the networking is going to have to go get updated, and then we have to go to the storage, and then we have to go update that. And what does that look like? And so we started talking to them about a hyper-converged architecture with Nutanix, and it really clicked for them. Like mm -hmm. we want the benefits of the cloud, and we want the capabilities that it takes to man, you know, the the not not having to really manage the cloud. I want I want that capability, but I, I'm a bank. I, I want to keep my stuff on prem. And so in that conversation, hyperconverge really clicked for them, right? And we started showing them the bells and whistles of of the you know one-click upgrades concept. Uh, yeah. they really loved something as simple as Nutanix Sizer, which maybe not everybody knows about, kind of it's more of a partner-facing tool, but we used to share with our customers and say, let me show you how we can size this environment appropriate for you. Mm -hmm. And you can make modifications. You want to add more CPU? You want to have a little bit more extra capacity? Uh, do you want you know, additional high availability? How many, how many racks do you want to account for? And in that conversation, it really flipped because their current hardware providers um, were not able to do that, right? They had kind of a three-tiered kind of architecture model where like, oh yeah, the storage guys had their own architecture, the compute guys had their own, oh, yeah. but never the never the two shall meet. No, now those we silo kind of, teams just didn't work jive well together. Correct. And even and even at this particular customer, Sean, they they did they didn't have a siloed team, but they had siloed vendors. Right. Ah. Which is even more interesting, right? Because even internally they knew that they couldn't silo themselves, but just the partners that they were dealing with were forcing them to be a little bit silent. So Nutanix really uh, clicked for them uh, immediately. And you know, they saw the benefits, saw the capabilities. Um, we got them built in very quickly within a, a couple of weeks once the gear showed up. Again, pre-COVID, so actually gear was available. Yeah. Um, we got the gear available, set up. And within a couple of weeks, we had migrated all their VDI workloads to the architecture. And we showed them, not only did we get it sized correctly, we now have the tools to monitor how the consumption's going, right? How you're leveraging the capabilities within Nutanix. Um, and that was just an easy conversation to get in. And then after that, it just became, hey, well, what else can we do with Nutanix, right? So, so we had a lot more conversations from there. There's a couple of things that you touched on that I want to really kind of peel the onion back uh, and, and get into the layers on. Number one, you mentioned uh, flipping the VDI, migrating the VDI environment in a matter of a couple of weeks. Uh, and that just blows my mind because I remember projects that I was involved in, virtualization projects that were no joke, no less than 18 months before we even got the solution in front of uh, an average end user. Projects went on so long that the project manager 
uh, it was a financial services company as well. And tr- he had to travel from Boston to the uh, customer location. He was on that project so long, he was able to pay for his entire honeymoon based on his hotel and airfare points (laughs) that he accumulated from this project. That's how long it went on. So it's it's phenomenal that, you know, with HCI Nutanix, you were able to flip it in just a couple of weeks. But you also mentioned something that a lot of people don't think is very sexy, but I want to drill into it a little bit more is the sizer. Uh, tool. So walk us through just a little bit of that, how you used it, even for our listeners who don't know what it is, just a, a little bit more about Sizer. Yeah. So Nutanix Sizer, and by the way, you guys definitely have the best tool uh, out of all the HCI solutions out there for for sizing and infrastructure. I can't uh, take credit you know, myself, but I do okay. appreciate that. You, re- you should just take the credit, Sean. Like, Thank <laughs> you very much. That's a, that was all your responsibility. That's what uh, I did. Yeah, exactly. The the Sizer tool is basically an interface. It's a it's a web interface that lets you plug in information, right? How many users do you want to have? What size of the VMs do you want to have? What kind of infrastructure? Um, it integrates. You can pull some of the data if anybody's familiar with like RV tools uh, for uh, looking at a hypervisor to kind of determine you know how many VMs, what size the VMs are. So it's 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 a tool that you can import and configure workload sizes and you can configure all the different options and we can work and sit down with the customer to say all right this is roughly what we think you're going to need however we also know let's account for growth right let's account for that you think you're going to have a 10 percent growth let's also account for um nutanix files right which is a great capability of being able to bring in the file services that maybe somebody's running on their windows machines and bring them into the nutanix cluster and we're able to sit the customer and walk them through and you know they'll make changes and requests like oh we we prefer this chipset versus this chipset easy change flip it change it it reconfigures it all and it creates a an estimated bill of materials for the customer and it makes it very easy for a partner like us um, and a client to work with the nutanix uh, account teams to just review and figure out what we, what it wants to look like. And even better than that, Sean, right, is of course, that usually just gets us in the door with Sizer. The next phase is like what's ongoing, right? So now we bring in Prism Central. And if, if anybody's not using Prism Central, I definitely would recommend it. My personal favorite is the runway capacity planning capabilities, mm-hmm. because now we're actually seeing live data, right? Right. Sizer is what we think theoretically, or at least what we pulled in from from other reports and from the hypervisor itself. But now we're bringing in this architecture of like, now it's real data. What is it looking like? How much longer can I continue to grow at this pace? If not, let me create a scenario to bring in, what if I bought two more nodes, right? What does that look like for uh, reducing CPU uh, stress or storage stress? And I love that tool. Uh, Again, it's a great conversation with our customers because they usually don't have that view into the three-tier model, right? Um, they're not able to, you know, they're completely different tools and Nutanix brings it all together. Sizer for the initial deployment um, mm-hmm. and then bringing on, uh, you know, Prism Central and the capacity runway components for ongoing um, experiences. Yeah, and it's for those who are out there remembering the days or even still using the employee survey spreadsheets, and looking at the actual physical desktops that they're currently running and try to base a size uh, uh, plan off of that, the size of tool 
just blows that away. So it's, it's almost like going from the horse and buggy to a Lamborghini as far as a, a impact difference. And then for your what if analysis, uh, the, the capacity planning, the, you know, a feature available in Prism, you're absolutely right. That's just, it's phenomenal. I love to hear you say that, but you did say, so you, again, you said two things that I want to drill in on. Number one, <laughs> You said preferred chipset. So let's get to know Al. What's your preferred chipset? Is it corn? Is it potato? Tell us. <laughs> I like barbecue chips. Ah. Uh, yeah, you got me there, Sean. You got me there. I do like <laughs> and, barbecue chips. That's my favorite. And then uh, I did too when I was younger. Uh, and then <laughs> you teased Nutanix files. And I, I think that Nutanix files, Nutanix unified storage and data lens that's another, that's a, let's, you know, see if we can uh, convince Angela to let us back on to talk about those two subjects. That would be some great, great, uh, dive into some ransomware, malware, and, you know, let's, let's shake it up with that. Um, but with this FinServe customer, so that's all great for the today and what's going on the, the now. But are they, like I like to say, are they cloud curious? Because as you know, I've coined the phrase and registered the website, cloud nauseum, uh, which is the feeling of overwhelmed marketing and sales messaging about cloud, 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 to the point of nausea. And, but is the customer, are they looking at the cloud? Got it. Yeah. Definitely, they're looking at the cloud. Uh, and, and they started this journey a couple of years ago where, uh, and by the way, for just for everyone's knowledge, this particular customer is also leveraging AHV as their hypervisor, another great uh, Nutanix capability. Um, but as they were looking towards moving to the cloud, they were trying to figure out how do they, and by the way, for AHV, it was like mostly cost savings, right? They got rid of their 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 other hypervisor cost. Uh, and with that, it shall remain nameless. By the way, yeah, I'm not going to name them. Um, but with with that, they realized it in, it included some complexity, because as they started looking at the cloud, and specifically, um, you know, they don't have a burst scenario. They're not looking to be a cloud first company. Really, they were looking for DR. They were tired of paying uh, for a colo for compute storage, networking, and everything, you know, twice, basically, mm -hmm. just in case as an insurance policy. And they realized it wasn't the most efficient spend of their money. So they said cloud is going to be the way they're going to deal with it. And with that conversation, we started kind of taking them through, okay, well, then here's how we can copy machines that you have on-prem into Azure. They chose Azure as their cloud provider, uh, mostly having to do with a lot of the Windows licensing and the Windows capabilities that they have in there and Windows mm -hmm. Focus. When they started doing that, they started struggling a little bit. Got to be honest, it was it was a little difficult taking them from an HV concept into an Azure-based concept and migrating the workloads and how do you copy, how do you replicate, how do you back them up? And so that started leading them down to maybe maybe that's not the best way of doing things. And we kept saying to them, something's coming, Sean, something's coming. You're going to be excited about it. I'm excited <laughs> about it. And the question was when, right? When, when, right. when is going to come out? And finally it came out, which was Nutanix clusters on Azure. And October that, 12th, by the way, I know. And Man, the like, I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I had a little party at my house, had a, <laughs> had, a had a little bourbon. I was so excited. 
Um, and I was finally able to say, hey, it's ready, right? And we went back to that customer and said, hey, we know we've dabbled a little bit with it. Now it's official, it's general availability. Let's start looking into it. And they started setting up a POC and basically within a month, they're like, we love this thing. How much is it? We're going to go buy it. We love it. And now that's really simplified their DR strategy because now they're going to have the same capabilities of Nutanix in Azure. So Mm -hmm. replication, all the same monitoring tools, all those same capabilities that they had before. And now it's not going to be a conversion process. There's not going to be having to copy and figure things out. And so that's going to really tie into their strategy, not only just for general server com- uh, compute on Nutanix, but also for VDI. Because now that's also even going to let them use their their Citrix. And by the way, they're a Citrix shop. Uh, mm-hmm. They're leveraging Citrix Cloud. They're going to be able to now, they're starting to talk about maybe they burst into the cloud. That was something they never really thought about before. Uh, but they are acquiring organizations as a bank. They're buying other banks. And they don't want to necessarily buy infrastructure or maybe infrastructure not even available at that moment in time, right? It's going to take a couple of weeks for gear to show up, a couple of months. Yeah. And so now what they're thinking about is bursting into the cloud, leveraging Nutanix clusters on Azure for a certain period of time, and then being able to say, all right, now the gear has shown up, maybe. Bring that back on-prem and move those users back on-prem and bring those workloads back on-prem. And so right. that's really got them thinking about more of a bigger growth strategy. So I kind of tell them that Nutanix kind of enabled their business to grow right? Where like most of the time that people don't think of technology doing that for them. And you're talking about bursting into the cloud, not just for DR. Again, you said a couple of things I want to drill in on, but we are going to have to wrap this episode up soon because I want to do a full uh, episode on just the DRBC uh, capabilities that you mentioned, but I also want to get into this idea of bursting into the cloud, but not for DR, a disaster recovery business continuity, but for the actual growth and expansion. But then you also said the ability to move the users on-prem, cloud, back to on-prem. I'm trying to get... Uh, the term fluidity or hyperflow, hyperfluid uh, to catch on here to describe that ability of of moving those workloads from on-prem to cloud over to another cloud, back to on-prem, wherever you fluidly want to take it. Yeah, I, I, talk, I try to talk about flexibility, right? And Nutanix has given our customers a lot of flexibility. What happened when they, when customers try to move all their workloads into the cloud, they realize they got locked in, yeah. Right. Um, and so Nutanix's capabilities to allow them to have that fluidity, I don't know, hyperfluidity, I think is a term you're trying to coin there, Sean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that concept, it, it's it's amazing. It's it's almost a game changer for IT because IT usually gets notified at the last moment of a change. Hey, we just acquired a company. You got 30 days to get them onboarded. Hey, we we hired 200 people last week. You need to give them, you know, VDI workloads in a, in a couple of days, and so you know, having that that built-in capacity, the understanding, the knowledge of the inform, you know, the environment that you have, the flexibility to move workloads around, that's amazing for an IT shop because again, they don't always have that same information at the same speed as the business does, and they got to react. Yeah. So, Al, I know that we're our back is against the wall for time. Tell me, tell our listeners. Where can they get more Al Solorzano? Where can they get more E360 premier partner of Nutanix and Citrix? Yeah, um, 
definitely just go to our website, you know, www.e360.com or entesis360.com. That also works. Uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter. I am the Al Solarzano, as you mentioned uh, <laughs> earlier, Sean. Uh, but no, I mean, I think really, I think it's just talking to, you know, again, I'm an industry guy, Sean. I love E360. I love what we do here. But I think from an industry perspective, you know, just working with partners that good partners focused on you as a client, where your goals and your businesses are going. Um, as long as you're doing that, I think we'll all be fine. Right. It's not just about the tech. But what about your Vegas residency? When does that kick off? At Caesars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish. I wish. Actually, I, I, I might try to figure out how to get to uh, a, a bigger place in Vegas. I don't know what's bigger. Than, I should go to Nashville. Get to the, get to Nashville. Nashville's smaller, but like definitely has got that cooler vibe. Maybe I yeah, yeah, exactly. But I also want to encourage you to get to Chicago uh, in May for Nutanix.next. That would be. I'm excited. I was really bummed the last one got canceled, Sean. I was yeah. super bummed. So, oh, we. By the way, we, should, should I go yeah. see a Cubs game or a White Sox game? What do you think? Uh, Cubbies all the way. Cubbies. All right, Wrigley yeah, Field. I'm sure. there, man. All right, Al, I cannot thank you enough for for grabbing the mic with me uh, here today. Hopefully we can keep this conversation going. There's so many things I want to talk about and talk to you about. I'm going to hand it back to Angelo now and thank him again profusely for letting me grab the mic away away from him today uh, for the podcast. This has been Stories from the EUC Road. I'm Sean Doe. Angelo, back to you, my friend. Thanks, Sean. I'm excited about this series, and I know many of you are as well. To learn more, you can visit our community site at next.nutanix.com or head over to nutanix.com forward slash EUC. Thanks for joining us today. And with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week.